welcome everybody to the Magic Beans podcast. We are back again for episode number 84. I am your host tonight and my name is Shorty and I have just one bean on the line being everyone's actual favourite host in Cracker. How's it going mate? I'm good, mate. I'm I'm not sure that's actually true, but uh, I appreciate the, the sentiment behind it and the running gag to go with it. Yes, yes. So, just the two of us tonight, but uh, still plenty of things to go through. And uh, we're just talking before the uh, before we started recording that you know we we put together all these show notes, and then we thought, you know what? Let's just throw them out the window and let's just do a full focused episode on Crack Clan Ironworks KCI. And uh, and what was the other topic we we're going to talk about? Uh, we're going to talk about Eldrazi Tron as well yeah, okay. and just awesome. how so, it sits in the modern metagame at the moment. Yep. Strap in, everybody. Just a, a solid hour of KCI talk because, you know, Cracker and I both both love KCI. Nobody else does. So, I yeah, played heaps uh, of it, man. Like, I sleeved that deck up so many times. I did really well. <laughs> <with> some- <laughs> yeah, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, never. Until maybe we give Chewy another episode by himself, and then we just won't release it. Yeah, yeah, just just a little <laughs> behind the scenes. We have a a Google Doc that we do our show notes on that we all have access to, and there is just always at the top of the the list in the potential topics, KCI, and uh, slowly little comments get added to it <laughs> about between uh, Chewy or myself or somebody else about whether or not we're actually going to talk about it, and the answer is always no, no, we are not. But uh, we do have plenty of other things to talk about, but we do. before we get into that cracker, do you want to tell everyone about our awesome sponsors? Love to. Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. They are a Facebook auction page who sell physical magic cards. They put up multiple listings every night, usually three to four different posts on Facebook with a huge amount of cards, usually in the range of like 40 to 60 cards per post. And you can just scroll through, find the ones you like, throw a bit in. Put your name on it so you make sure you get alerted and you can get some really sweet bargains. So they're, they're a fantastic service. Um, they've got a dedicated auctioneer, which means everything gets shipped out really quickly and very securely. I've never had any issues with the cards being damaged in the post or anything like that. They always arrive nice and intact and all looking all spiffy. So best place to, to grab some singles and uh, let them know when you win some auctions that the bean sent you. Very good. All right, so yeah, tonight a couple of things we're going to talk about. Uh, I guess probably the main thing will be the Dungeons and Dragons Adventures, advent, yeah, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms set, because that's yep. not a, a mouthful. We're just going to call it the D and D set because I'm Correct. not going to call it. I think the uh, the set code is a- AFR. AFR. Yeah, mm. yeah, which confused me the first time I saw that on the bottom of a card. But no, the uh, the D and D set, which will be coming out in the near future, and the preview seasons, I think, fairly short on this one again. Like we sort of obviously of we've weeks, had, yeah, yeah we had Modern Horizons previews going flat out, and then all of a sudden they they're over and Modern Horizons is out, and now it's D and D previews. So we're going to have a bit of a talk about some of those, and uh, probably spend a bit of time talking about the main mechanic that's been previewed for this set. So we might get into that first. Cracker, do you want to tell everybody about? What on earth dungeons are when it comes to magic? Love to. So dungeons are three cards that exist now for forever in magic. And you can have access to them at any point in the game. They aren't a card that goes in your deck and they aren't a card that goes in your sideboard. So they don't take up any slots in your 75, but you would keep them with your sideboard. And so you will find cards that say... What is the word? Enter into the. Venture into the dungeon. It's just so so many words. I'm looking at this yes. these dungeons themselves, and I'm lost. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Venture into the dungeon. So there are a number of creatures and planeswalkers and spells and things that will say things like venture into the dungeon. So there's uh, the example here is Nadar, selfless paradin. Uh, it's two and a white for a three three legendary creature dragon knight with vigilance. It says, whenever Nadar, Selfless Paladin, enters the battlefield or attacks, venture into the dungeon. Uh, Other creatures you control get plus one, plus one, as long as you've completed a dungeon. So there are three dungeons. They've all got great names. The Lost Mine of Fandelva, Tomb of Annihilation, and the Dungeons of the Mad Mage. And These are all campaigns from... D&D. Like I've actually I've actually run Lost Mine of Fandelver. I ran that with my brothers and cousin. 
Nice, nice. Tomb of Annihilation is is a super famous one as well. Yeah, I, I know of the other two at least. But mm-hmm. Yeah. So the so, actual D&D campaign names. Correct. And that's that's one of the things you'll notice with this is they're not likenesses to like the Harry Potter <laughs> fan, you know, they're not copyright impinging co- correct. names. They're not that like sounds similar. Yeah, yeah, correct. No, these, these, these are, are all legit. Correct, because, you know, Wizards runs obviously both um, D&D and Magic, so they get to use all the IP that they would like. So, dungeons, yeah, like I said, they don't go into your deck, and whenever you venture into the dungeon, you either start a new dungeon, you can only have one going at once, and you then go into the first room. So, Lost Mine of Fandelva, the first thing you do is the cave entrance is scry one, and then it splits- and you can choose either the left or the right side. You can either go into a goblin lair and create a 1-1 one, one goblin. Or you can go into the mine tunnels and create a treasure token. And from there, they just keep splitting off. So, in this particular- it, <laughs> as, as happens in a dungeon. Correct. So, you can choose different paths. You can't go backwards. So, once you've gone from the cave entrance into the goblin lair, you can't go back to the cave entrance to go over to the t- mine tunnels. You always have to keep moving forwards. And there- the Lost Mine of Fendelva has got, like, four to get through. The Tomb of Annihilation you can do in three. And then the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, I think is like, six different levels, rooms, I guess you would call them. And they all have kind of different upsides. So, I'm not going to read all of them because there's a lot of no. text on them. And they're hard <laughs> and to describe. <laughs> yeah. You, you need to look them up. Yeah. What do you think, man? What's your take on these things? Uh, I have no idea in terms of playability- how they're going to go concept wise i think it is awesome like the 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 way it works uh like to to take something that is so like ingrained into dungeons and dragons like literally dungeons and dragons it's 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 the first (laughs) word in in the name of it and put it into a mechanic that actually functions within the magic world is like really good And, and and obviously this would be a this would be a mechanic that i think they call it is it top-down design where they go? Yeah. This is this is how we want it to look in the end, and now let's just like figure out how we actually get it to work. Yeah, is is just really cool, and like even the cards don't look all that exciting when you first look at them. They're they're pretty plain. They're, it's just you know some boxes on a card with some lines and a bit of text. But when you actually look at them a little bit better, they've got like the the squares, like the five yeah, foot squares do. you have on, on yeah. dungeon maps when you play and, and all, all that sort of stuff. And yeah, just tying it into actual D and D campaigns and, and like as I said, I've run the Lost Mine of Fandelva and yeah, you go into a cave and there's a goblin lair and there's mine tunnels and you find a storeroom and there is a dark pool and a fungi cavern and, and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Like it's yeah, for for people who have played D and D, this sort of stuff is just is really cool. Uh, and and I quite like it. I, I like the concept of it. But yeah, in terms of gameplay, what like what do you think is it, like are these going to be playable or? So, I think it's fundamentally another really powerful, potentially powerful tool to have access to. So you yeah, just worth pointing out, like I said, you can only have one going at once. So you can't start the Lost Mine of Fandilva and then start the Tomb of Annihilation with another venture into the dungeon. You must progress, but you can choose whichever one you want. You don't have to do, you know. Yeah, you choose you the one that suits co- you for correct. the current game state. Exactly. And you can choose them multiple times as well. Like if you want to do the Dungeon of the Man Mage and then finish it and do it again, you can. You can just only have one going at once. I think it's yeah. interesting because your opponent has no opportunity to interact with it. It is almost like an emblem as far as planeswalkers go, where it just exists kind of outside the normal game of magic, if that makes sense. It, it sort of reminds me a little bit of energy where it's a, another resource that- just is, and your opponent can't do anything about. So, in that respect, it's powerful. We obviously haven't seen all the cards yet. So, how it will play out and whether the, the support is strong enough to make a break into constructed, I don't know. I, I imagine I'll be quite strong and limited. Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, that is something to point out. I, I believe if you were to do a pre-release, you get one of each of these cards in your pre-release kit. I'm, I'm pretty sure I either read that or heard that somewhere, so that's handy. That's cool. I, I th- imagine I they'll just be like tokens you'll get in packs and stuff like yeah, that, yeah, right? Because yep. the, it won't be a thing that you have to- Like, it won't take up a card slot in a booster pack. No. And you only need one of each. Once you've got one of each, that's it. You know, you never need multiples of them. Um, I think in terms of playability, it's it's going to come down to 
the creatures that it's tacked onto. And, and like you said, we kind of saw this with energy where if you've got a creature that is already playable, you know, a good, good creature like, oh, I've just completely, what was the rogue refiner, the one yeah. green blue creature that was already a playable creature. And then you just tack onto it that it gives you some energy. Then you've got that potential that it, it's going to be uh, heavily played. Whereas if it's a bit more like the lesson learn mechanic where things are kind of costed a little bit more than they would be just so that they're not, not uh, too powerful, then who knows, we might see a little bit of it. The The thing with each of these dungeons is none of them are, like the abilities on them aren't crazy powerful. Uh, you know, there's uh, nothing in there you that sure? you're going... Have you read Mad Wizard's Lair? Draw three yeah, cards, you reveal them. You may cast one of them without paying its mana cost. Yes. So, like, so I think on average it probably works out to be something like Scry one and a half or, like, something in that kind of range as far as, like, normal- Not, not normal, but, like, total card power if you average it across. Like, the first one. Yeah. So, Dungeon of the Man Mage, you gain a life, then you Scry one, then you can, like- make a creature can't block or you can create a treasure then you scry two then you can do some other things and like eventually you scry three and then you draw three so like that's powerful but it takes a really long time so it depends on how hard it is yeah seven yeah, it, times it, you've got to venture to to get there so exactly. yeah, if, if you've got if you're triggering multiple times in a turn then yeah you're going to get through that pretty quick and easy and and that's going to be super powerful but that again, that comes down to how playable are the creatures or the permanents or whatever is is letting you venture into the dungeon. If they're also playable, well, then yeah, you're going to have a heap of it in your deck. But if you've got a deck that literally has four four of a creature that says venture into the dungeon and that's it, well, you you can't even get through or potentially can't even Does get through matter? something like the dungeon. No, probably Does not. And that's and so that, so that's, that's, that's kind a, of yeah. It's, it's kind of the way I've sort of been looking at value it. Is like yeah. maybe you don't have to finish the dungeon. Like yep. some of them, like Nadar obviously is, you know, you get plus one, plus one. Creatures you can draw get plus one, plus one as long as you've completed a dungeon. Uh, there's a green planeswalker and her ultimate is you get an emblem with creatures you can draw get like haste, trample and plus two, plus two for each dungeon you've completed. So cards yep. like that are really incentivizing you to- you know, really push into it. But I think control decks and things might just have, like if there's a couple of spells that are good enough or a couple of creatures that are good enough, just have a dungeon of the Mad Mage because you just snag a little value here and there and it's coming for free, in quotes. So, yeah. I, I yep. don't know. I think I think you'll see play. I, I just don't know if there'll be dedicated dungeon decks. Yeah, I've been thinking of it sort of like whatever the creature is that you're going to play with the, the venture mechanic just kind of tack onto it one of these first abilities. So either scry one, each player loses one life, or you gain one life. Mm-hmm. And if that makes the creature playable, well, then there's no downside to <laughs> to playing it. And then yep. you're going to sort of build up over time the other abilities as you slowly trigger them with either other creatures or other things going on in the game. And then that's just gravy on, like, on top of that first ability that you got. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it, it's it's... Very hard to know, and <laughs> I mean, even I'm, I'm tipping. Even once we see the full set, we're still probably not even going to know if it's actually yeah. going to be playable until we see people playing it or or play with it ourselves, and then are able to go, okay, it's you know over the over the course of I don't know six to ten turns that a standard game might go for, I'm able to trigger this multiple times every game consistently. Well, then yeah, it's definitely definitely worth it, but. I, I don't know. <laughs> I think this is one of the hardest hardest mechanics to uh, to be able to judge until uh, till we've actually played it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And look, it may be like you said, like a lesson learned thing where it's flavorful and it's cool, yeah. and you can kind of make it work a little bit and, and gain some value. Or it might end up being like food, which was horrendously undervalued by most people, yeah. and turned out to be just like bonkers good. In, in multiple formats. So, I don't know, and I don't, I don't think anyone does, but I'm keen to see. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, I've played a bunch of D&D too, so I'm, I'm excited for this. So, yeah. D&D, let's, we're quickly running through the the introductory um, article here. The, there are dragons, yes, many yes, dragons. there will be dragons. <laughs> and and we, we'll actually have a quick chat about some of those in a minute, because yeah. some of the naming conventions are interesting. Uh, ampersands, no, stop pretty funny there wizards ampersands is the funny little at 
and symbol and sim- in D and D, yes. Uh, but then there are flavor words. So, this is kind of cool. Like you, there was one you pointed out to me before. It's Blue Manor, and the card is called You See a Guard Approach. It's an instant, and then it says, choose one, distract the guard, tap target creature, or hide target creature you control gains hexproof until end of turn. So, it's just, it's a one, it's a blue mana for a modal spell, which is fine. Like, the options are, are, are pretty good, you know, giving something hexproof until end of turn yeah. is not bad. Or instant speed tap a thing is also pretty good, but it's just the way that they are framing it. It's the way that you're you're doing this kind of thing. So, it's- Yeah, they're, they're making again, it sound design. like a D&D thing. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, it's it's- it's leaning to that, like, choose your own adventure kind of feel. And it's like, right, you see a guard approach. What do you do? You, you're going to subdue him or you're going to hide? Like, what's the plan here? And that's the sort of choice that the, the DM might present to you. So, it's pretty cool that they're, yeah. they're doing that. Definitely. Um, and, yeah, like, uh, both you and I have played, I don't know if we've actually played D&D together. We've played Pathfinder together, which is, which is effectively D&D. Adjacent. D&D. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, it's got- Pretty much all the same spell names and it, it does. classes. That's, that's and all one that of those sort of ones that's like really close in terms of infringing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <on> <laughs> you don't really know how they get away with that, but but yeah. yeah so I've, like I've played, I've played D anD D, I've played Warhammer role play, mm-hmm. I've played Cyberpunk, uh, I've played Cthulhu, you know, a yep. whole bunch of yeah, Pathfinder, a whole bunch of role playing games throughout the years. You've played a whole bunch. You're playing. Are you still playing Deadlands? Yeah, at the playing moment? Deadlands at the moment. Yeah. So we've done. We've done the role-playing, so we know the role-playing side of it. And you get, exactly like I said, you get these situations all the time when you're role-playing where you yeah, you meet someone or you walk into a room and, and the dungeon master or the game master, whoever's running the thing for you, they describe what you see. And then it's kind of like if, if you've never played done role-playing games before, they describe the situation that you're in and then you have to decide what to do. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. a role-playing games are sort of open like <laughs> yeah you, you can say the, the true ah, original okay. open world I'd, adventure thing right yeah I, I turn around and walk back out the door and i go off and do something else <laughs> and, and then your dungeon master's going oh man <laughs> I've got to, uh, yeah that's it i've got to make or up new things shorty's like i hide in the corner and when he walks past yeah. i stab him in the back <laughs> yeah um, but like another card that they give here as an example is a plundering barbarian and it's when it enters a battlefield choose one you can either smash the chest which destroys target artifact, or you can pry it open where you create a treasure token. And and they are options that you are given in a game of Dungeons and Dragons. You find a chest and it's like, oh, we don't we don't have a rogue. We can't pick this lock. So, but we do have a barbarian and he's pretty strong. So he can try and smash it. But when you smash the chest, you you run the risk of actually destroying what's inside the chest. Or you can try and pry it open, which would be, you know, a strength check or something like that. And then you get some treasure because you, you actually manage to open it. So... I, like, I love this, and, and we are talking about this before um, we started recording. There's a whole bunch of these, and we'll probably look at some of them when we get into the previews a bit more. They The naming, like the smash the chest and the pride open part, is adds zero to the actual functionality Correct. of the card. It, it is actually in italics like flavor text, and that's yeah, what it is. Exactly. Like, it's literally yes, called flavor, flavor text. words. Yeah. Be- yeah, exactly. So, it's, it's pretty cool that they've just gone, look, you're going to go, oh, I'm going to smash the chest. And it's like, all right, cool. So, you're going to like- Instead of saying shatter or, you know, like destroy target artifact, it's just like that extra bit of nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. My yeah. kids say that all the time these days. Do they? <laughs> yeah. oh, I'm sorry. I don't know why. It's not from me. <laughs> uh, it's some random YouTube something. <laughs> That's always what it is now, man. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like it's, and I guess the whole part and you know the marketing and i don't know if, if people have seen the videos that pit, that wizards have been posting that sort of stuff it is this set is very much trying to bring these two worlds together you know it's like one of the taglines is magic joins the party mm-hmm. so they are they're trying to get people who play D into magic and vice versa people who play magic in, into D because as you said cracker they own both of those things Yep. So let's you know they they know all these people that play these things are already into their stuff and they're all nerds so let's just get them all buying both products and uh, and I guess suck more money out of people exactly <laughs> as, as they do uh, but yeah so far like a lot of the stuff we're seeing is doing a a very good job of that and I think you're going to get a lot of people that kind of you know say 
D&D players who've never played Magic and they're going to start seeing some of these cards and go, oh, you know, that's that spell or that's, you know, whatever that, that we cast. And, oh, that's so cool. It says this and this. And they'll just buy a random box and crack some packs and, and have a bit of fun with it. So, yeah, very yeah. cool. Very, well, um, very fun. One, one of the things we talked about a while ago is one of the guys who's run games for, for both of us a bunch and he's currently running one of my games uses actual magic cards based on the art for like spells as a wizard. And so now there are things like we talked about with like power word kill, right? That's an actual spell that you have as a wizard or, you know, like there are things you can get. So you can use that as your like physical spell in yeah, D&D. to represent so, the spell you've yeah, got. Yeah, correct. It's, it's pretty yep. cool. Ah, oh, cool. So that's all the mechanics, I guess, that we know of at the moment. Uh, yeah, I, don't I think that'll think- be it. It's, it's kind of slated as, almost corset-ish yeah, in that respect. Yep. So you'll see a bunch of like evergreen kind of keywords and things in addition to what we would normally expect. Uh, and I don't know I don't know how corset it feels. There's definitely a lot more legendary creatures because there's a lot of that. Obviously, everyone in their own mind is a, a PC in D&D <laughs> is their own legendary creature, you know, so- yep. I expect we'll see a lot of those, but it'll be interesting to see how that, that plays out as kind yeah. of filling that gap because we've had corsets for a number of years now and they had cancelled them previously. And it actually caused issues where they couldn't just put random things that needed to be in to keep the standard good because they weren't necessarily on flavour. So Yeah, they weren't tight. They didn't fit in with the set that they were trying to print, but they really kind of needed that, that card Correct. in standard to keep things balanced. So, yeah, yeah the corset it's just has like, always been that spot you can kind of print whatever because like it's opt not and stuff like that. There's just things that you, you want to just have yep. all the time, but you don't necessarily want to have it in your, you know, advanced set or whatever they call them. Yeah, expert level. Expert, apparently. exactly. <laughs> 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 just laughing, <laughs> laughing about something from our chat today. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so, yeah, let's have a bit of a look at the cards. So, before we talk about the cards, I, I guess just wanted to mention some of the card styles. So, as Wizards have been doing the last few sets, you've got all your different fancy types of of cards and, and you know, the extended arts and borderless and whatever. So, most of that stuff is back. But in this set, we've got... Uh, funky old, like dungeon yellow modules. and paper. Oh, those ones, yeah, yeah. So there's, so there's there's two. So there's the dungeon modules, and then there's the old school sort of D and D book uh, drawing style. So the yeah the, things like you'd see in the monster manual or the player's handbook. Yeah, yeah. So if like from the original D and D sets, yeah, and, and even some of the new ones before they started getting really fancy with their art in there. Um, so they they look. I'm not a huge fan of them. I mean. We sort of we were having this conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe at uh, I think it was at Chewie's birthday. That really liked the look of the sketch style cards, and and one yes. of the reasons why I really liked them is because they still look like magic cards. They're just slightly different. These ones look like magic cards, like they're still laid out exactly the same. The text is all the same, whatever. But I don't know. There's something about them that just doesn't excite me. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if you like them or not. Some of them look okay. I mean, they're kind of comic book-ish in in some of the, the style, but not the same way as the, like, Aquaria ones were. So, they don't mm. kind of jump out with the same presence, I guess, is the only way I can think of it. They're quite flat. But yeah. that's, you know, <laughs> yeah, true to- a very to good the, way to say it, flat. They're, they're, they're very true to the original art style. So, yeah. I get what they're going for, but I don't just look at them and go, these are strict upgrades on the other arts that you would have for these. So- yeah. I don't know. Yep. And I think the ones that they're choosing to do this treatment on are uh, cards that are like creatures or characters directly out of D&D stuff, like um, like Driss Stewart and um, you've got like a white that's literally just called white, which is a, a common creature, monster you go up against, manticores, yeah. the gelatinous cube, those sorts of things that you would come across in in. D&D campaigns pretty regularly, so they fit having that old-school style. And, again, you're going to get all those old-school D&D players that have been playing forever that are going to see these and think they're um, they're really cool. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if they're doing them in foil or not. I think they'd look really weird in foil if they- Oh, man, they'll they'll do do them in everything. You know that. (laughs) It'll be the etched. There will be, because of the way they do foils, there will be a chance that you will end up with them in foil. Yeah. Yeah, it's likely. Yep. 
Um, and so, then the other one you mentioned is the, the dungeon module. module. Yeah. Yeah. So what are these? I mean, these look like the, again, the original like 70s player handbooks or adventure guides. So, you know, you play D&D, you've got like the monster manual and the player's handbook and they're like large hardback books. And then you can buy pre-constructed modules, right? Adventures to run so you don't have to think up everything yourself because that's a whole lot of work. And <laughs> oh, even yeah. just running a campaign from one of these modules, like um, Tomb of Annihilation we were talking about before, is a very well-known um, pre-constructed module that you can buy. And so you can get them either as like- They used to release them, I think they still do, as like monthly installments that you could buy, basically. And they were like little paperback- um, pieces that you could play through and then you would get the next one. And then eventually when they released them all, you could buy like the whole thing as a, as a, like a hardback or, you know, like the compendium or whatever, the, the whole compilation. Uh, but these ones are very much the art style of the original seventies and eighties kind of playthroughs. They're, they don't look like magic cards. No, they do not <laughs> look like, like magic at cards. all. Uh, so I, I don't know, man, they, look, we've talked about the different art styles and how we like some of the things they're doing. These ones don't grab me. Uh, no. Um, uh, so, the first one we saw was an evolving world. So, they, so far, they, they're all lands, mm-hmm. So or the ones that have been previewed so far. So, the first one we saw was an evolving world, and it's like purpley, the purpley pink sort of color that the the dungeon modules were back in the day, and it mm-hmm. just, just like doesn't look good. It's got like yellow text and purpley pink background and yeah. So it's an evolving world, and then there's the other ones we've seen. There is a uh, cycle of lands, so they are uh, monocolored lands. Uh, one of them is, as an example, Den of the Bugbear, which is uh, if you control two or more other lands, it enters a battlefield tap. So it's a fast land, uh, and it taps for a red, and it has three and a red uh, until end of turn. Den of the Bugbear becomes a three-two red goblin creature with. Whenever this creature attacks, create a 1-1 one, one red goblin creature token that's tapped and attacking. It's still a land. So pretty powerful land for, for starters, but yeah. that, that then has a, an adventure, a, a D&D module version of that card, which is like bright red background with yellow yeah. text. And <laughs> it's just so, like, whoa. So these, just worth pointing out that, um, like you said, these are a cycle. These are the rare land cycle for this set. Uh, and so it looks like they're, they're all monocolored, uh, and they're all, like you said, fast lands. So they're interesting, but they're also creature lands. So previously when we've had creature lands, I think except for Faceless Haven, they've all pretty much entered the battlefield tapped initially. Is that accurate? But most of them also produced two colors. Yeah. So the, these ones are all monocolored, but they, you know, enter untapped if you have two or fewer lands in the battlefield. There's like Hive of the Eye Tyrant, uh, which is the black one. Look, I think they're all probably pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yep. The black one costs three and a black and yeah. becomes a 3-3 three, three black beholder with menace. And whenever this creature attacks, exile target card from defending player's graveyard. Uh, yeah, we've seen the red one. There's the a blue, blue one. one is- In Korean. Let me read yep. it. It's uh, hate- five. Five and a blue. Hall of the Storm Giant becomes a 7-7 seven, seven blue giant creature with ward three. So that's- not bad. Uh, we've got the white one. You can read that one. Ooh, where is the white one? Oh, I've got it here. Uh, Cave of the Frost Dragon, four and a white. Becomes a three, four white dragon creature with flying until end of turn. So, yeah, not bad. So, is the only one we're missing a, the green one? Yeah, yeah, I believe okay. the green one's all, all we're missing. So, yeah, cool uh, cool cycle of lands. I, again, I'm not a huge fan of that art style. They're uh, not they're worth be- pointing out. They 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 do have their own like more traditional modern yeah magic yeah. art style as well, and they look yeah. pretty good. Yeah. So we'll have to see. Um, oh, the the dungeon descent one is a colorless one. I don't know if you mentioned that one. No, I didn't. So dungeon descent. Yeah, it's a it's a colorless one. This one always enters the battlefield tapped, and it's got four tap tap an untapped legendary creature you control. Venture into the dungeon. Activate it only as a sorcery. So I guess a way to. Uh, Use your legends, which are your PCs, player characters, I guess, to be mm-hmm. venturing through the dungeons. So, fits uh, fits the theme. Definitely does. So, speaking of fitting themes, dragons. I mentioned before yes. that there there are a lot of dragons 
And there are a bunch of, like, named dragons. There's, like, Ebon Death Dracolich, which is, like, four black black for a 5-2 legendary creature, zombie dragon, flash, flying, Ebon Death Dragonlich, into the battlefield tapped. You may cast it from your graveyard if a creature not named Ebon Death Dragonlich died this turn. So, pretty cool. Doesn't have to be your creature. And because it's got flash, you can do it in, like, your opponent's end step, untap. Mm. You get a 5-2 with fl- flying for four mana. So, pretty good. Um, but there's also a whole series of, and they haven't all been previewed yet, but they will complete the cycle of the colored dragons. So, there is the black dragon, green dragon, adult gold dragon. And these names seem like the sort of thing that- my kids would come up with, but when you when you <laughs> play a bunch of, they, when you play a bunch of D and D, you're like you come across a black dragon. Now it's not always yeah. Ebon Death, right? It's just a black dragon. But each of the dragons has a unique uh, characteristic in terms of what they do. They don't all breathe fire. That's the red dragon. But black dragons breathe acid. Green dragons breathe poison. So it's pretty cool that they've gone with this like seemingly generic term, but then like like the black dragon is. It's seven mana. So, it's five black black for a 4-4 a four, four dragon with flying and acid breath. When a black dragon enters the battlefield, target creature and opponent controls gets minus three, minus three until end of turn. So, and again, that, that acid breath is, it's done in italics, but it, yeah. it's effectively the, the flavor words. Like, acid breath is not an ability that we're not going to see on other things. But Correct. But it just fits and tells you exactly, oh, yeah, black dragons, yeah, they have acid breath. And well, this it's, is what it's acid literally an attack that they use against you. You, 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 yeah. know, you can encounter a, a black dragon and the DM's like, all right, the dragon's using acid breath on you. And you're like, oh, no. And, you just and, and acid doesn't care acid too much damage. about your armor, which is why it's <laughs> minus three, minus three, not yeah. deals three damage. So, yeah, very, very flavorful. Yeah, I like it. Uh, and also, like- Adult gold dragon. So, and uh, you know, dragons increase in power in, you know, D&D terms based on their age. And so, this one has got, like, flying, lifelink, and haste for three red and a white for a 4-3. So, look, these these in some way feel similar to a bunch of the dragons we saw at the end of the Dragons of Tarkia block, where there were, you know, like, these common or uncommon dragons that were pretty much overcosted. Like, no one's playing uh, seven mana 4-4 that ETBs and gives minus three, minus three. Like, it's okay. It's great and limited. It's an absolute bomb. It's an uncommon, but it's not kind of what you would expect out of a constructed powerhouse. And that's not what they're going for here with these kind of more generically named things, which I think is, it's cool. It's it's definitely the very top-down design. And you're going to see, you know, a lot of that the whole way through this. Yeah, definitely. Actually, the adult gold dragon, that's that's actually not bad. That one's five, pretty close. Five mana, four, three, flying lifelink case. That's uh it's, I mean, we've got- That's also Goldspan a rare dragon. Yeah, we do have yeah. Goldspan, correct. Which but is pro- probably better than this, but- it, it probably is, but it doesn't have lifelink. Yeah. So, yep. I don't know. I guess we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look, uh, honestly, like there's a bunch of stuff where it says like, I don't know, I guess we'll see. Some of this will see more play when, as always, Eldraine rotates. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there are some cards that, like you said, there's Manticore- uh, the, the gelatinous cube. So, these are like, yeah, pretty cool to see, you know, magic representations of these things that you, you may have run across in, in your game. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Some specific cards that we sort of like look off. We were actually saying before the cast that there hasn't been much in this set. Like, there's, there's heaps of things that it's like, oh, this is awesome. Like, you know, heap really thematic and, and all that sort of stuff. But I haven't really seen much that it's like, oh, man, this is super powerful. I'm really looking forward to putting this in like in a standard deck at least. There's, there's been a lot of stuff that people are excited about for Commander, but not quite as much for standard. And again, you, you sort of, as Cracker said, you're looking at it through the lens of overpowered Eldraine. But another, like a, a card that I've seen that looks interesting is a, you find some prisoners. So again, it's that uh, Dungeon Master sort of setting out the scene for you with, with the name of the card. You find some prisoners. It's one and a red instant and choose one. And you've got break their chains or interrogate them. So again, you're, you're, the DM set the scene for you and you can choose to either break the chains of the prisoners or you can interrogate them. So you break the chains, you get to destroy an artifact. So one and a red destroy an artifact. Yeah, not too bad. And But the interrogate them is exile the top three cards of target opponent's library. Choose one of them until the end of your next turn. You may play that card and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast it. So I think like this is a sort of card that you can definitely play in your main deck. So if like if artifacts become 
you know, if, if there's any sort of powerful artifact decks, not not even dedicated artifact decks, just like if Great Henge is still a, a pretty big part of the metagame, then having <laughs> a destroy target artifact in your main deck is pretty handy. But the backup being able to uh, effectively just like look at the top three cards of your library of your opponent's library and pick one, you've got this turn and next turn to cast it and you can spend mana of any color that's pretty good like it's pretty likely you're going to be able to find something in those top three cards from your opponent's deck and be able to cast it either in this turn or next turn so it's it's got that sort of good fail state uh, as well as sort of hitting that that flavor side of it so uh that that one looks pretty cool uh, have you got any that are taking your fancy yeah grazalax the ithalid scholar because mind flayers are a thing it's one blue blue for a legendary creature, Horror. It's a 3-2, and it says, Whenever a creature you control becomes blocked, you may return it to its owner's hand. And whenever one or more creatures you control deal combat damage to a player, draw a card. Um, I don't know if there's a home for this yet. But <laughs> I was going to say, what are you doing with this? I mean, there, there's potential for- I mean, there's a bunch of flash stuff I've seen as far as creatures go. So, you can, you know, like rebuy your flash creatures, which is kind of fun. It actually just prevents your creatures dying in combat. Now, admittedly, you have to pick them up. <laughs> so, but if, if there's a bunch of stuff with really good ETBs, and we have seen there's 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 going to be a lot of things that are like displace the beast, right? And I don't know, this, this goes in the same deck, but it's, you know, two and a blue for a three, two when displace the beast enters the battlefield venture into the dungeon. So, I think there's going to be a lot of that kind of effect. So, it might be a nice way to be able to repeatedly trigger your venture into the dungeon ETBs, if that's a thing yep. you want to do. Yep. And it also says that you draw cards. So, I mean, that's always going <laughs> to That's always a good vote. thing. <laughs> uh, then there's the yep. card that everyone is thrilled about to break databases around the world called Plus Two Mace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very, very flavorful. Uh, for those who Super don't play D and D games, those sorts of things, uh, yeah, you you have your weapons. So obviously, a mace is a weapon, and they get a plus bonus on them. It's 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 really weird. It takes you a little while to sort of wrap your head around the concept of what that actually means. But you can have a just yep. a normal mace, and then you can get a plus one mace, then you plus two, and they go up to like plus five or six or something like that, and they get super expensive, but yep. makes a big difference. So, yeah, just throwing that in there. But, yeah, I, I don't know how people go searching for plus two mace on, uh, Who on knows? card finders, those sorts of but things. But it, it's, it's one and a white for uh, Legend. It's a artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus two, plus two. Unsurprisingly, it's plus two. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, very, very on point. One thing that is worth looking out for, from what I've seen, a lot of treasure um, generation in yeah, this set. which you would expect in which, a dungeon Which you absolutely set. do. But, I mean, treasures are just powerful. I mean, they're lotus petals, right? Like, that was an actual card that you would put in your deck because it was just free mana mm. for a one-shot effect. So- I do wonder if there's some ways to look at abusing those. I mean, obviously, Goldspan Dragon is doing that in spades at the moment, and there's just yep. a stack more enablers to rush that thing out and then turn those into two mana. Uh, yeah, watch here. <laughs> yes. Is, is all I, I, I can think of. You <laughs> know, got, got Magda who might be searching yep. up dragons and things like that. So, who, who sure. knows? Sure, and, and look, there's, there's definitely going to be some super powerful dragons. Um, yep. I, I expect we'll see, you know, legendary ones from- for most colours, if I had to guess. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. And, and the other rare ones will probably be pretty strong as well. So, yeah, pretty cool. Um, a card I've seen that looks cool uh, that I'm sure you and I would both be keen to see this sort of style of deck comeback cracker is uh, it's just called Fly, uh, which, again, is a spell from uh, from mm -hmm. D&D. It's a single blue for enchantment, and it has enchanted creature has flying, as you would expect, uh, but also has whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, venture into the dungeon. So we've seen, like, Curious Obsession and those sorts of cards before. This is not Curious Obsession. It's, it's nowhere near as good. But being able to make a creature fly and then get those venture into the dungeon triggers is pretty handy. Um, and then just sort of pairing that with the card we spoke about before, the UC a guard approach, the single blue that can either uh, tap down a creature or uh, give your creature hexproof. So potentially maybe a mono blue 
tempo-y deck coming back in the in the near future maybe after Eldraine rotates out again who knows but uh certainly had a lot of fun playing that deck yeah definitely love that yep. style yeah uh, a few other cards like just with you know cool names and and flavor and that sort of stuff sort of referencing back to D stuff you've got like dungeon maps as an artifact you've got 50 foot of rope everyone just always has 50 foot of rope just Gotta hanging off it. your backpack <laughs> yeah actually one thing's interesting like there's a lot of stuff in this that references walls so yes. like 50 foot of rope has climb over so you can tap it and target wall can't block this turn we haven't seen that for a very long time. It's it's usually creatures with defender that sort of stopped printing walls and just made them creatures with defender. Uh, you can tie someone up, uh, so three and tap target creature doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Definitely something you do pretty regularly in D and D. Or you can repel down, which is four and tap venture into the dungeon and activate it only as a sorcery. So your rope is always extremely handy in in D and D, and this is no exception. Uh, and being a one mana artifact is actually not too bad. That might uh, might come up in certain circumstances. There are there's the mimic, which is like a a treasure chest that is actually alive, uh, and it's too uh, too generic for the the mimic. And it is a treasure if, if like it's an artifact treasure if that actually is relevant. And you can tap it and sack it. Add one mana of any color as you do with uh, with a normal treasure, or you can pay two and it becomes a 3-3 artifact creature so pretty handy yeah i like it there's actually treasure chest as well and there there are a few things and this one's worth pointing out there are a few um cards that have roller d20 and it's worth mentioning that in your pre-release packs you don't get a spin down counter anymore you get an actual d20 so oh really okay yeah yeah they've got like the dnd symbol on it and they're not like a, a proper spin down like you've been getting for the last ages. The life with- counter style ones. Correct. So yeah. they're they're like balanced properly as well, far the, as rolling. The, the numbers things. opposite and correct. Yeah. yeah. So well, uh, that's okay, pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. And so there there are a number of cards that refer to rolling a d twenty. So treasure chest says it's a three mana artifact. Uh, you pay four, sacrifice treasure chest, and roll the d twenty. Uh, on a one, which is a critical fail, <laughs> you lose three life. Two to nine, you create five treasure tokens. Pretty good. <laughs> yep. Four, four mana to get five treasure tokens. Well, it's, yeah, it's seven mana total. Well, seven but total, yeah. yeah. Between 10 and 19, you gain three life and draw three cards. And then Very on good. a 20, which is a you know critical success, you draw, search your library for a card. If it's an artifact card, you may put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, put that card into your hand then shuffle yeah very cool it's (laughs) look it's pretty sweet because you know that's the thing with you know there are loot tables in DD to work out what's in the chest you're like i unpick this chest and you're like okay cool roll the dice and it'll be like oh you you get this thing out of it so sometimes you might get something bad like it's poisoned and it's trapped because you failed and you know didn't actually open it and other times you're just like oh sick i got like this exactly card i need out of my deck and put it into the battlefield so yeah (laughs) <laughs> Pretty cool. But um, it does mean there's going to be a bunch of D20s rolling around tables. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would be interesting to see if on Arena, when these things happen, if a D20 actually rolls across the screen. Or it better. It, it'll just pop up a random number in your screen. I, th- I think it should have an animation for a, for a dice. That'd be I, cool to see. I, I think so too. Also, yep. one more thing for the uh, <coughs> RNG folks to love. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> the dice is the dice is rigged. I dice rolled seven you. ones in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it is like it is so flavorful for role playing games. So it yeah. doesn't matter which role playing game you play. A one a is almost of, a always lot of them are base twenty. Yeah, 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 yeah. Base base twenty. You're using d twenties for all of your attack rolls and that sort of thing. And it's usually a one is a fail, no matter what your bonuses and those sorts of things are. If you mm-hmm. roll a one, it's still a miss or a fail or you fall over or whatever it is. And a 20, even if, you know, we've had times in campaigns where it's like, I can't kill this creature. The only way I can kill this creature is if I actually roll a 20, mm-hmm. which if I add up my 20 plus my attack bonuses and that sort of stuff, it wouldn't be enough normally to kill the creature, but the 20 counts as a critical hit and the damage still gets through and things like that. So, again, bringing all that into the game, in, into magic in a way that actually works is, yeah, r- really cool. I have seen some cards that refer to when your opponents roll dice as well. I can't find them uh, right at the moment, but just something to, to be aware of. There yeah, are cool. certain things like that. 
yeah, plenty of things that uh, that look really cool. Any others you want to go through? No, not at this stage. There's there's a lot. There's been a couple of hundred previewed, I think, at this point. Yeah, still still a few more to come. But actually, one thing that is missing mm. is the party mechanic. It is, which is interesting <laughs> because we were, conf- we, did- we were so confident that it was going to be mean, in this set. Why wouldn't there be? I mean, yeah. there's, there's obviously a lot of things <laughs> that will trigger. The party yes, mechanic. Yeah, you've, but you've I just got don't tons know that of it- clerics and warriors and all that sort of stuff. But and rogues. Yeah. I just don't think there's anything good enough that existed with the previous set of party that was going to be buffed by this. I just can't remember anything. Like they, they no. were good, but they weren't like. Yeah, crazy I, th- I remember good. there being a couple of cards that was like, oh, yeah, you know, this this could be good if you could actually get together, you know, three or four party members, that sort of thing. Yeah. But. It was like, well, if you've already got three or four creatures on the field and then you're playing this, it, like, does it really winning. matter? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I don't know uh, how we're going to get that. And, yeah, like I think we've got maybe 70 or 80 cards left, I think, to be previewed uh, somewhere. Yeah, there's, there's like somewhere 207. There. There's probably like, yeah, 60 or 70 left. Yeah, so it's, I highly doubt we're going to get 60 or 70 party cards in the, uh, in the last lot of previews, so... Um, yeah, at this stage, I'm you kind of have to just say, okay, we're not not getting the party mechanic, which is yeah. a bit odd. strange. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, all right. So yeah, that's uh, that's kind of it. Uh, they did say in their article that there were more mechanics to be revealed. So I don't know if some of the ones that have been revealed are the mechanics or if, if that's going to be it. But we will touch base on uh, on these over the next couple of weeks. Uh, well, next week we'll probably be have the entire preview, so we might touch base on that then. And then, uh, yeah, the set releases on Arena on the uh, 15th of July, so basically two weeks from when we're recording this, and then comes out in paper the next uh, following week. So, yeah, it won't be long till we'll have the D&D set in Standard uh, and in Historic, and it'll be messing up metagames, hopefully, or shaking them up a little bit. Uh, but yeah, who, who knows? We're gonna have to see uh, if if anything can actually outshine Eldraine, which I think is pretty unlikely. We're also right at the end of standard as a cycle, so we we're are, right yep. to the point of this being like that. What nine sets? I think we will be at, or eight or nine. So it's like I think it's as eight, big yeah. as, as big as standard gets. Yeah, it's this is the last set before rotation. Yeah, because the rotation comes in September. So uh, and then there'll be a whole bunch of stuff that drops out. So yeah, this this will you know again might not be. Powerful enough to make a break into uh, a whole stack of decks now, but you know, yep. a couple more months and and who knows. Yep. Cool. Speaking of things that broke into decks and then broke <laughs> the decks, broke formats and broke decks. things. <laughs> oh, what a segue! Yeah, yeah. There's a there's an upcoming historic event. Yes. And it's called what? Mirror Mirror rewrites historic July. So between the third and sixth of July, they have. Basically done the Hearthstone thing where they've taken magic cards that were previously banned and errated them to try and make them less busted. Mm. Okay. <laughs> well, so, so what's on the list here, Shorty? Yeah, so the, yeah, basically taking the cards that have been banned in Standard recently, or in Standard Historic, and, and trying and to historic, make them a yeah. bit, bit, bit better. So uh, yeah, a bit worse. Eight- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They didn't need to well, make them better. Yes, they not need make, to not better. Bit, bit yeah, yeah. fairer. Better in the other direction, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's Agent of Treachery, Fear of the Dead, Fires of Invention, Nexus of Fate, Omnath, Oko, Once Upon a Time, Teferi, Uro, Veil of Summer, Wilderness Reclamation, and Winota. Now, if you've had anything to do with magic in the last few years, you would know all of the those yeah. cards. And a bunch of people just got shivers down their spine for each yeah. different different words <laughs> yeah. that were said then. Yeah, tr- different triggers for different people. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, we'll just briefly run through these and, and tell you what the changes are. So, Agent of Treachery, now the Enters the Battlefield uh, ability triggers only if it was cast from your hand, so it's no mm-hmm. longer uh, just a straight-up Enters the Battlefield ability, which means yeah, you, can, so you can't blink, blink it. Stuff. Yeah, Yep. Or, you know, get it off Winota or anything like that and, and have its ability still works. You have to actually cast it and this, and it has to resolve and then you get the uh, the stealing. Field of the Dead, this is a, well, one of these changes was a change that I suggested many, yeah, many times. Yep. Changed it to Legendary. So we can only have one Field of the Dead on the field at a time. But also they've added zombie tokens uh, will enter the battlefield tapped, which probably doesn't make a huge I mean, difference. Kind, but kind of whatever, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. Still strong. Like, if your mana base can afford a colourless land, then it's worth just sticking in because you'll probably get there. Yeah. 
Fires of Invention, the mana costers, uh, they've added an extra red. So it's gone from three in a red to three red red, uh, which obviously makes it more expensive to cast, but then means when you're casting it straight up, you can then cast another five mana spell because you should have five lands ideally. So don't know how much difference that'll make. I, I think that'll still be strong. Yes, I do, I do too. Nexus of Fate has the text that it should have had right from the start where it exiles itself. Uh, so there's it's gotten rid of the text of... Whenever it gets put into your graveyard, it just automatically what shuffles. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just makes you realise how egregious these cards were. Like seven yeah, mana yeah. instant speed take an extra turn is still pretty strong. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, but it does exile itself like a lot of the other take an extra turn cards we've seen. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Omnath. They haven't really changed much on Omnath. The first ability is now just a scry one instead of draw a card, but the other abilities are still the same. So if you can trigger multiple landfalls in the turn, they, they still all happen. Oko. I'm pretty sure this is the exact changes that i suggested to oko as well well they've obviously been listening to our cast oh yeah they're definitely uh the food ability has gone from a plus two to a plus one so oko comes in with four loyalty and previously you would plus two and it would uh actually didn't it start with three it started with three yeah it did yeah so they've buffed it that way yeah yeah so it starts with four and a plus one still goes to five the elk making ability has gone from a plus one which is just dumb to minus two so it comes in with four loyalty. You can minus two, make an elk, uh, or you can plus one and make your food. So much more balanced. Yep. Uh, once upon a time, rather than if it's the first spell in your you cast this game being free, it costs one generic. Still probably pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Teferi is now two white, two white blue instead of He's one white blue. Three fairy anymore. He's four fairy. Uh, yep. His loyalty's gone up by one though. Yeah. He's still pretty strong. Yes. Uh, Uro, they've taken the text of putting a land from your hand onto the battlefield. So you still gain the life and you still draw a card, but you don't get to put a land into play. Veil of Summer now costs one and a green instead of just a green. Wilderness Wreck, I think they've completely nerfed this. It only untaps two lands instead of all the lands you control. And Winota is look at the top four instead of the top six, uh, which makes a pretty big difference for Winota. So it does. What what do you reckon of these changes, Cracker? Which Which ones are still... Powerful, which ones are dead? Uh, okay, so as you said, Wilderness Wreck, just dead. You, yep. Just four mana to untap two extra lands is just yep. useless. N- useless. What else is completely dead? I mean, Oko got hit really hard. Still powerful. It's still powerful. Uh, I don't know whether it got nerfed enough, but the fact that you can't just, you know, have it come down and plus to four and make it elk. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> On the turn it enters and it now does the normal thing of going to two. Uh, I don't know. The, the rest of them, I mean, Nexus you obviously can't abuse anymore. So I don't know that you're in the market for that a lot and you can't hit it off Velomachus because it costs seven. Uh, Field of the Dead still good. Agent of Treachery might be too slow now that you have to actually cast it yeah, fairly. I think, I think Agent's not good enough now. Like I said, Field I think is probably still well, good enough. Field being legendary... It definitely helps, but you can still legend rule it. Yes, you can. And, so you can still get, get two triggers zombies. on a single turn. Yeah. So there's there is it's still that. Fires of invention still strong. Yeah. Uh, I still think that there's ways to abuse that in like your index and stuff like that. It definitely slows it down, but not enough. Omnath. I mean, the draw card is pretty great, but you know, scry one, and then it's the landfall ability that was kind of the really busted bit about Omnath. Yeah. So I think that that will still be. A super, super strong card. And and along that line, same with Uro. Uh, the fact that yep. it doesn't ramp is obviously a big downside, but it's still it's gaining you three, it's drawing you a card, it's you know, it's a cheap body. So yeah, I, I definitely still think that that will see a bunch of play too. Veil, probably still good. I mean it's one and a green is, you know, obviously a big downside, but draw a card and then Spells you control can't be counted this turn. You and permanents you control gain hexproof from blue and black until end of turn. It's just like a control deck's worst nightmare. Yes. E- even at one and a green. So it slows everything down. And look, they've, they've obviously not tried to kill the cards. They still want them to be playable. And it is only for this three-day event. And it is like, you know, not just, hey, we're releasing these into all of Historic. It's a particular event that you have to sign up for. So I don't know, man. Yeah. Uh, it'll, it'll, be it'll be interesting to interesting see. To see. And, and then, yeah, <laughs> there's some questions as to whether they're testing this as the, you know, tin foil hat yes. time. 
Are we going to see this in Historic now? Are they just going to go, well, you know, these cards weren't too bad. We could just slide them in. Yeah. Because Historic is an arena-only format. Yeah. I think that's the main takeaway from this is, it's like, yeah, this will be cool to play and it'll be interesting to see how it all goes and would be cool to see, like, Wizards data and all that sort of stuff. But I think this, and we may have mentioned this before, but is this the test case for, yeah, can we can we uh, diverge? Is that the thing yeah, from paper sure. and and digital and have them be separate and historic is as you said is the exact place to do that you know you, you i don't think wizards will ever have a card that's in standard that is different on arena to what's in paper i just don't think they can do that that would just be confusing as all hell i mean there's a couple of things that were eroded instantly like hostage taker comes yeah, to mind. Yeah. Where and I mean, they did change the companions. Yeah, I, I but agree like with going you from fundamentally, though. Cha- yeah, like changing, changing a mana, mana costs cost. yeah. or like yeah. loyalty abilities and stuff like that. Yeah, that's, that's stuff just you just couldn't too do. too far, correct. Yeah, but in Historic, where it is only a digital format, it kind of really doesn't matter because yeah. the only place people are playing this is on Arena. So if the cards are different, it, it really doesn't matter. Uh, and... It, it, it might as well be, you know, Fires of Invention, if that's currently in standard. Well, in Historic, it's it's basically just a different card. It's got a different mana cost. It's now called Fires of Reinvention or, or something like that. <laughs> you just, sure. t- just treat it effectively as a, as a different card, and it yeah, doesn't well, matter I mean, that if, it's if different it's to paper. If it's good enough to be banned in standard, then it's banned in standard, at which point you can just go, well, we're going to retweak it. We'll ban it in Historic if it needs to happen, and we can, you know, retweak it and then re-release it. So, I think that this will be uh, a thing that we see. And I wouldn't be surprised if we saw it fall over to Brawl as well, being the other um, arena-only format. I think that there's some balancing that they could do there if they they wanted to. Yep. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I'm not opposed to it as long as it is just arena-based formats. I I think- yeah, going down the line of splitting splitting digital and paper for the same format is very yeah dangerous. I I agree, particularly when you get into like rules, like tournament settings and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. just like you, the you game rule violations that you're gonna have with that. I yeah, pay well, three I mean, mana you, for my you, Teferi, and you're like, no, no, that costs four now, and you're like, no, it doesn't. Yeah. It says three on the card. And like, oh, but Oracle <laughs> text says it costs four. And he's like. It's just going to get ugly really fast. Yep. I mean, I've had, I've not my own opponents, but I've seen opponents in or people in tournaments where they've sat down to play a game and someone's called a judge on them. The judge had had to come over and they've explained how an interaction works. And the person is just like, oh, oh, my deck literally does nothing now. (laughs) I've been playing at home with my friends or whatever and built this deck that I think is really cool. And uh, it doesn't actually work that way. And so now I'm here in this tournament and my deck does nothing. And that's with the actual rules on the on the mm-hmm. card. So as soon as you mess with those rules, then, yeah, that's that's not going to go down too well. Although there's not a ton of uh, competitive play, so who knows? Sad. <laughs> yep. All right. So, yeah, that's on this weekend. So it kicks off, uh, what was it, July the 3rd? July 3rd, 3rd to the 6th. 6th. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, if you're interested in that, I think I might fire some of that up and, and give it a go. Uh, you're you're not actually crafting the Correct. rebalanced you, you cards. All, they're yeah, no. So the all cards are available for you to build your deck, even if they're yes. in your collection. Yep. So you yep. can just go nuts and build anything you want. So yeah, wild cards are away and free, and it's uh it's kind of like when we do well, we used to get the pre-release mm. events. Yes, yes, those things. Rip. <laughs> But that, that's cool. And so, yep. obviously, there'll be, you know, some small cost, I imagine, to play in it. But, uh, yeah, sweet. Yep, sounds good. All right. Uh, and if you are keen on Historic, well, we've got our Historic event on this Saturday. Uh, yeah, kicking off at 11 a.m. And Chewy will be streaming this. So, this is another, <coughs> excuse me, this is a uh, another in our tournament series. So, this is one of our one-day events. There's cash and prizes up for grabs, as always is, about 250 bucks and some invitational points. So, uh, yeah, if you want to play some Historic, it will be the regular Historic format. It will not be this rebalanced format. I, I'm pretty sure the rebalanced thing, you cannot challenge people. It's just a, an event yeah. where you go in and hit play. 
So yeah, this will be regular historic format and yeah, kicking off at 11am. So if you're not signed up for that, uh, jump onto our challenge page or jump into our Discord and uh, yeah, you'll find all the links for that sort of stuff there. And yeah, Chewy will be streaming that with a special guest and there'll be uh, some random prizes he'll give away on the stream as well. So uh, get in on that. Uh, as we've mentioned plenty of times, there is still heaps of opportunity for you to get those invitational points and potentially get to the invitational at the end of the year. So uh, yeah, get in on this one and then our D&D league will be kicking off in a couple of weeks, three, four weeks, I think. So uh, yeah, get in on that one and uh, earn some of those awesome points and uh, yeah, have that chance to be playing in the the big event at the end of the year, which uh, I'd like to play in that big event. I think you'd probably, you probably would too, Cracker. I I would. I do like commentating it, though. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> so I'm, yes. I'm kind of actually looking forward to being able to do that again, for sure. Sounds good. All right. So that's going to do us for this week. Uh, yeah, if you do want to get in on any of those events or any of our future events, the best place to do that is in our Discord. The link for that is in our show notes, as always, uh, as is the link for our merch store. So if you want to grab some Magic Beans gear, some merch, some uh, hoodies, T-shirts, anything like that, you can follow that link and pick up some of those. Uh, if you want to grab some bargains on physical magical cards, you can go to Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar on Facebook. Just search them up, join the group, and check out their daily auctions. And then when you win something, let them know the beans sent you. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter, all of those places. Search for Magic Beans or Magic Beans Cast, and you'll find us on there. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Peace Inc. Cracker, you are? At Joel Hill underscore. Very good. So, yeah, that's going to do us for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Stay safe out there, and we will see you all next time. Bye.